1: The Creative Control of Ishkana podcast is brought to you by you. Virtually all financial support for this show comes from listeners just like you. So please keep Creative Control going by making a flexible monthly donation at patreon.com slash creative control. You'll be glad you did this. Not as glad as me, but still pretty glad. Thank you. Iggy Pop is an iconic musician and actor who originally hails from the great city of Detroit, Michigan. Regarded by many as a prototypical punk for his work in the Stooges and beyond, who is easily the greatest and most emulated frontman in the history of hard rock and roll, Iggy has been particularly prolific in recent years. He oversees his own BBC Music 6 radio show. He was the primary subject of Jim Jarmusch's revealing 2016 Stooges documentary, Gimme Danger. He toured extensively behind his 2016 album, Post-Pop Depression. He executive produced and appeared in the excellent 2019 four-part documentary miniseries, Punk. And he also appeared as a zombie in Jim Jarmusch's 2019 film, The Dead Don't Die. Now, 2019 isn't over yet, Iggy Pop released a beautiful new, decidedly not rock album called Free on September 6th. And on October 1st, Penguin Random House will release his new book, Till Wrong Feels Right. I had the extreme and great fortune of spending 30 minutes on the phone with Iggy to discuss many of the things I just mentioned. We also talked about his collaborations with Leron Thomas and Noveller on this new album, Free. We talked about whether he, James Osterberg, feels free being Iggy Pop. We talked about his future plans and more. A part of the E1 Podcast Network, with the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations to patreon.com slash creativecontrol, plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, this is the 496th episode of Creative Control, somehow featuring one of my all time heroes in life, Iggy Pop, with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Iggy. How's it going? Hey, all right. It's good. Good, good. It's an honor to get to speak with you. First of all, where in the world are you? Uh, New York City. New York City. What brings you to New York? Uh did uh,
0: something for YouTube, uh, like listening to my record. We all had a little uh, we had a little slumber party, me and about 30 people. <laughs> <Just still>. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> what was that experience like uh, for you to have people hearing your record for the first time, I assume?
0: Well, it was, it was great because we all just, we were just sitting around laying around. So otherwise it would have been kind of weird, you know, if it had been like, uh, they used to have these horrible listing parties in the, in the eighties, the record companies and there would be wine and cheese and, (laughs) <laughs> you know, weird, I don't know, chit-chat, you know, and that wasn't very, very good. Right. But uh, this was really nice. It was really nice. It was a bunch of us in a dark room and
1: uh, had a good time. Nice. That's great. That's great to hear. Well, I want to start by saying congratulations on, on Free. It's a, It's such a beautiful and thoughtful record, if I might say. Okay, thank you. Thank yeah, you. It's my pleasure. Now, I, pre-
0: I appreciate
1: it. Yeah. Well, I wanna ask you to, to frame this record for people who haven't heard it yet. I, I was hoping you can talk about your motivations behind the lyrical intent and also the, the music on this record. Can you articulate that?
0: Yeah, well I wanted to kind of uh I wanted to wiggle out of the frame of uh rock instrumentation that I'd that I'd kind of uh gotten uh encased in over time and nothing wrong with it. But, uh, after a while, it wasn't what I, wasn't what I felt at this time. And, uh, was interested in working with some fine musicians who, who broke out of, uh, the normal time and space. So I thought I could do something. that had, uh, maybe half, uh, reasonably reassuring song formats, uh, where I could, uh, where I could uh, sing clearly uh, with some emotion and uh, lyric that you'd understand what I was singing about. And then the other half of it is uh, really it's me talking in your ear at 2 AM in your bedroom uh, may not be for everybody. I don't know, but uh, that's the, that's, that's not what it's about, but that's the way it comes on. Right. And uh, as far as what it's about, uh, uh, a lot of it is really about the strains of individualism and uh, overwork in our in the world we live in today, which results in uh, loneliness, uh, couples that both respect each other burning each other out and having to break up, um, role switching, uh, sort of. Um, how should I put it? Uh, people for whom the clock is ticking and they don't have anyone—that sort of thing.
1: Now, do you do you write from this perspective? Is is that a personal perspective? Is it an observational one? Uh, how do you relate to what you're talking about?
0: It's more. I have I have these are these are observational and also uh, fictional, uh, but I do use uh yeah of course i i have loneliness frustration paranoia anger uh and uh constant driven work are all all themes in in my life mm-hmm. uh for a long time there was a lot of insecurity not not financial a uh, financial insecurity not the type that most people experience where they're thinking about the rent uh next month, but the kind that uh, you experience when you' when you're working in an industrial art that needs financing and uh, you're not always sure you're going to be able to get it and you know the corporate world wants more faster uh, hmm. finding my I don't have those problems anymore my my size increased. So I'm
1: okay <laughs> for that. Yeah, yeah. So let's... yeah, I don't.
0: That's the best
1: way I could put it, dude. <laughs> it's, it's it's well put. I want to ask about these uh, <laughs> yeah. these collaborators of yours on this record. In terms of the music, um, I know you you've been doing a BBC show for some time, and I know you've articulated yeah. that that really rekindled your interest in the discovery impulse we have as music fans, and I understand that that led you maybe to finding some of the people you've collaborated with here. Can you talk about those collaborators that you worked with on Free and, and what sure. they bring to the table?
0: Sure. Well, Ben Ratliff, who is a jazz critic of the New York Times for quite a few years, sent me a piece of music by Leron Thomas. And LaRon was best known as a jazz trumpeter and he he had done a kind of a hip-hop collection of hip-hop tracks with very little trumpet on it, but when it was played, it was great, and Ben just sent it to me, and he said, I don't know what the hell you call this music, but this guy can really play trumpet. He can really play horn, is what he said. And he sent me that, I think, originally because he was encouraging me. He thought I should be working with some people who could do some things that basic rock musicians can't. But uh, the occasion for getting to know LaRon was that here I had these great tracks and they were unreleased. I wanted them on my radio show. I, I like to play a mix of stuff. I play things that are new and familiar and kind of on the edge and of the alternative universe, but I also play forgotten jazz and blues tracks, and also really, really strange, obscure artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a mix. So in this case, I had to call up Laurent and ask him to put him on SoundCloud because I'm not allowed to play anything on the BBC that is not, quote-unquote, a product. Right. Because of their, uh, they, have to, they have to license, and they have to fill out forms and pay and all that sort of thing. They have lawyers, basically, right, right. and uh, yeah. So, uh, so I got I started a conversation with him because because of this occasion, and um, and he, he he had a whole world. This is someone who didn't want to. Be, who was very very creative and didn't want to be. He's one of the many people he's worked with, other uh, Lauren Hill. He didn't want to be Lauren Hill's trumpet player only mm. anymore, mm. or uh, or. Or be the guy who blows horn for Bilal or something. That was fine, but he wanted something more. And a lot of it was hip-hop and sort of experimental hip-hop. And I couldn't really do much with myself, but I've guessed it on some of his stuff instead. And then some of it, he started pitching, I suspect. I never asked him, but I think he was pitching it at me, hoping I might sing it and uh, little by little, the stuff was knocking me out, and I really, really wanted to sing these songs, so uh, that's, how, that's how that went on. If you're curious about what he does, the first track I heard of his was by a character he created called Pan Amsterdam, oh, and the okay. cut was p- called p- Plus One, but Pan Amsterdam has a lot of stuff. It's A lot of it's pretty funny, you know, Um he's got songs about Chinese food and I don't know, he's quirky you know, <laughs> but uh, the stuff he did with me was pretty heavy and pretty soulful uh, and also for his tracks Laurent is a top New York musician and he knows hundreds of really great players, so we had three bands doing his stuff on this uh, we had a Parisian band and we have a New York band on some of the heavier stuff, and then the stuff like James Bond that sounds a little more swinging. That's a New Orleans group. They're members of of a Mardi Gras band called Watcha,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: and they swing a certain way, you know. So that was that was that side of things, and then um, Novella is the other big contributor, and she's the person who produced the music at the beginning and the two tracks at the end of the album and she she's a young lady who plays these short to medium length symphonic pieces entirely with a stratocaster it's just her and a guitar hmm. and a shit pile of effects nice. all these effects and gizmos and stuff and uh YouTube founder for me. I was looking for some other stuff on you. Yeah, I know the fucking all the rhythm. And all. So I was, I was on YouTube looking at something else from a radio show and, and up popped, you know, you might like And there she was. And I saw her doing these, uh, it was her album, fantastic planet when I first found it. Hmm. And there was a cut called In the, into the dunes. I liked very much. I wanted to play it on my show. Sometimes I like to play like a couple of really strong t- tr- tracks of neo punk rock. I'll play like "Fucked Up" at the Bougie Boys, and then I want to play some just something atmospheric, yeah, you know, yeah. to uh, cleanse cleanse the palate. Uh, just I, if I was listening to the radio, I would want to hear a, a drastic mix. That's what I would like, you know. Yeah. So I do that. And, uh, and anyway, she had this, these tracks I liked and I was playing them. And then, uh, when it came time for the post pop depression tour, uh, I wanted her to open for us because both Josh Almi and I wanted someone to open who was absolutely different than what we were going to be. They, they played stuff where there was no rock band, no backbeat, beat. Again, so that so that the two things would complement and the, the evening wouldn't get old
2: right
0: so she opened every except for we had Bill Callahan in l a and uh, we had someone else in Toronto we had some violinists in Paris, but most of them she opened for us and I got to know her and she would we were playing large opera houses. We really upscale places. Hmm. And she would she you know, she would come out all alone at the beginning, you know, the place is just filling up. People are putting their keys away, whatever. <laughs> right. And, you know, yeah, that's how it is. I've I've gone through this so I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she would come out all alone. She'd wear a nice full length dress, uh looked graceful, and she would set up her own equipment in front of everybody, and she made it look good, and then and, and then she'd play the pieces, and I was really impressed that she's playing these complex pieces in real time. Yeah. So I thought, oh, fuck, this is a real musician here, this is a gem. So I had some... She was perfect, I thought, for things that I wanted to do that were spoken word hmm. on the record, because she... She doesn't she just gives you sets up an ambiance for you, and uh, then you can you can uh bring what you have to it so that was my idea so those were the two principles
1: i like know. I like the idea that you're seeking people out for your show and to collaborate with, and then people are seeking you out to because they think of your voice i, I was thinking of this songhoi blues song that you sing on on their last album. It's amazing. Yeah, Sahara. Yeah, I love well, that, that was,
0: song. You know, that came about because I was playing them on my. I get a lot of this now. That's like great. Hey, you're you're playing us on your show, so will you sing with? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get a lot of it, dude. You know, so it's great. I, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great thing, you know. It really is. Yeah, and yeah, I get a lot of practice that way. You know.
1: Uh, on Free, you've written these really beautiful liner notes and I want to ask you about them uh, because you say that you mentioned the post-pop depression tour and you mentioned here that that it it left you feeling drained. It, your quote is, I felt like I wanted to put on shades, turn my back and walk away. I wanted to be free. And I want to ask you about... Th- this actually brought me back to a lyric on post-pop depression on the song American Valhalla. You At the end of that song, you sing and you repeat it twice it's very stark i've nothing but my name i feel like you have this objective observational perspective on being iggy pop like iggy pop is almost separate from you is that difficult to navigate is that true
0: i'd say that's that's fair enough yeah although although i can be him because i have to be i'm i'm called upon to be him and also tempted to be him more and more every day hmm. you know they get more and more goodies but <laughs> and that you know that's he gets better treatment than i would otherwise right so but it's, all, it's also yeah, it's something yeah, of a burden know, as well it, it's seductive you know so yeah. the so but i no he is not he's not me it's, you're, you're talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... I feel right. like <laughs> so it's not... When
1: you talk about wanting to turn your back on something, it's not Iggy Pop per se, is it?
0: No, and there was also... In, in the lyric in American Valhalla of Nothing But My Name, there, what happens there is I didn't mean that to be about me. It was a character who I saw hmm. as a returning soldier. Coming home and he's and he's not rich and he's not he's not hooked up with someone and he's not sane and but but he has a good name because he was the one that went out and fought he was in and, and so he but but what happens in these uh, situations again and again as i realized later what i really wanted to do was talk about myself and it of course it applied to me but i I didn't realize that the way I got there was by putting on this character. Right. You know, yeah. um, as far as the, I, it wasn't just the. You know, I mentioned I actually used the word tours because following PPD, I immediately that tour was grueling mm-hmm. because I was dealing with band. My band members were all in their early forties, and I was doing an uh, a young. Guys' tour schedule, which is what I used to do in my early 40s. You're you're playing five nights a week, right? And moving by night, and that's and I don't do that for myself anymore. I play twice a week, if I, or once a week mm-hmm. if I feel like it, you know. And uh, but for for them, I did to make that work. I did that, and then I had to immediately go out and play my own tour, with my own band, not to, so as not to let that die right and also to avoid avoid going into orbit around these more commercially um the 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 drummer and most of the guys in the PPD band everything everybody but Matt Sweeney had larger career numbers mm-hmm. than I do
2: mm-hmm.
0: so I didn't want to get orbital with those dudes, you know, I'd <laughs> come, come in, do my part, hold up my end, have a ball and then get the fuck out,
1: you know? Right. Okay.
0: So, so the whole process as a whole just left me kind of, you know. and it was just, there was this feeling. I can't make any more of these records. I can't do and deal with any more of the, You know, being I'm tired of being Grammy nominated. (laughs) I know that that sounds really fucking spoiled, right? But I am. I'm sick of it. You know, right? Just give me one or leave me alone. All right. You know, I've had a couple of those now, and uh, and I was feeling that way. But this the the music I did on this sort of appeared to me as a gift. It was just a way originally just to have fun with my music again and then little by little I started to get as you do you you get you, you become proud of it you become pers- protective of
1: well, I I sense this reflective and self awareness period of your life uh, unfolding before us in some ways. I was watching this remarkable punk series that you executive produced, and and that remind mm-hmm. that also reminded me of uh, Gimme Danger, the the movie you made with Jim Jarmusch about the the Stooges. And you have a memoir coming out this fall. All of this reflecting going on. How is that impacting you on a daily basis? Like I know it can be heartening it can be revealing i know that it can probably also be a bit weird <laughs> to be thinking about your whole life and in, in so many different ways uh, how is that impacting so, you
0: no it's it's very difficult right now the weirdest part is i am I'm, I'm talking to people including you a lot right now about mm. myself right because <laughs> i've uh, because i am uh, supporting the recording and uh I had I hadn't imagined I'd do that when I first made the recording. I thought, Oh, it's just a little recording and I can just put it out, you know.
2: Yeah. And
0: then what happened was I I self financed the recording and then uh, I was asked, told my manager, Well, you can you can see if somebody wants to license it and give me you know, give me uh uh what a little more than what I spent on it to to mm-hmm. put it out and license it. To you so they can. And uh, once I made that decision, then all of a sudden I had record companies. And then I also noticed that one of the songs was catchy, so I felt like I owed it to myself, the song, the record companies, Loran and Sarah Novella, all of it to go out and support the son of a bitch. Right. Right. <laughs> so here yeah, so here we are at a talking about talking to we we are talking to you about him you know? and, and you and you have a perfect right to ask us anything about him that you want to and the, the the this is the last interview i'm doing today so i think that's why we've gotten to this really weird point where it's where it's us and him and you and yeah body touch. chris it crystallizes it by mind, you know, yeah, the, but there you have it.
1: The fourth wall has come this down will, clearly,
0: I'm yeah, I'm gonna try to get <laughs> through this. It's, <laughs> it's supposed to all end and calm down about a week before Halloween, so thank God, so this is that'll the- be.
1: Yeah this this speaks what you're saying kind of speaks to this whole freedom dynamic that you're describing on this record on some level I feel like I do you do you feel free right now Iggy is that a, is that too general a question when you when you're reflecting upon your life thinking about your legacy a little bit as you're you're having to do and answer these questions about this record are you feeling free
0: I feel as I feel I've got as much freedom as I can handle right now hmm. um i I didn't feel quite i didn't feel quite free enough when I cut the vocal that was cut about you know there's a there's a lag in these things, so part of the process of this album is I'm also talking to myself yeah. you know or I should say he is talking to we <laughs> he's talking to us you know me and me and him. The me and him. The, the him is talking to me and him about us.
2: <laughs> and,
0: and so yeah, I know. And so it actually has helped me a little bit to uh, to push the envelope a little bit and I I feel I feel a little more fulfilled than I did before I started making the record. And that's part of that's a good thing. So I'd say I have a I have as much freedom as I've earned and as much as I can handle and that's i'm i'm good with that right now.
1: It seems to me that you know we we we're, we're kind of joking around about your your persona and your avatar and your yeah. per- personalities but i feel like there's a lot of internet stuff going on on this record when i think of dirty sanchez glow in the dark and page i feel like you're kind of delving into and maybe an elsewhere as well to be honest but are you do you feel like you're kind of discussing our relationship with technology and the internet and and whether or not that's healthy. Is that come up for you in these, in these lyrics?
0: Well, I try to, I try to build some reserve in the, uh, the lyric on glow in the dark, dirty Sanchez and page were all written by Laron, the trumpet player. And he probably spends more time like everybody else does in that world. than I do. I see. I limit, I'm, I'm literate in those worlds and I limit my exposure. Uh, five days a week for six hours a day. My only telephone is a flip phone. But, uh, I do have, I have a, an assistant who spends a lot of time with me <laughs> who, yeah, who, who has, who has, uh, iPhones and I know how to, I know how to use them. And, uh, but I thank God I don't have one around in the middle of the night and i don't i don't wake up in the morning uh drinking coffee and immediately grabbing it to see if uh if I have any uh positive uh, reinforcement at <laughs> all that you know that's that stuff i'm aware of that that stuff is really seductive yeah and there's not, there's nothing wrong with it, but it wouldn't suit me at this stage in the game right. and then of course you know but i use i I have someone who handles that for me and I use them as a filter also. Um, I know how to reply to an email but uh, <laughs> I, perp- I perp- but I purposely have never learned to send one. Really? To institute one. Yeah, you, listen I have very f- extreme, I have an extreme personality and opinions at certain times hmm. and uh, would it be good for me? <laughs> Oh, okay. Would it be in my best interest to just, you know, to just shoot it out? So you have to, you have to be careful, and people are, I think, you know, yeah, it causes everybody to tread more lightly in a weird way, and then there are other people who go. Go bonkers with it, don't they? Yeah,
1: you know? they do. Absolutely. I mean, I know yeah. in the li- yeah. in the liner notes, the you, you frame the record free as an album in which other artists speak for me, but I lend my voice. And I took that to mean there's a Lou Reed poem on the record called "We Are the People," and there's a Dylan Thomas poem called "Do Not Go Gentle into That Good Night," which you ostensibly recite. Are you saying that Laron wrote most of the other lyrics? Did you have any lyrical contribution to the, to free?
0: Yeah, I wrote I wrote uh, the first two. And the last one. Okay. Leron wrote wrote the lyrics on five, and uh, I wrote three, and uh, Lou and Dylan wrote the other two. Uh, What happened there was a sort of, I would call it an extreme case of something that's been coming up ever since, gosh, ever since Kill City with James Williamson, and then with working with David Bowie and with all my collaborators since
2: Mm -hmm. it's
0: very common that when you work with a gifted writer or instrumentalist, when they approach you with the piece, it's very often already got a title in their head. Right. In other words, yeah. And they'll say, here it is. And I call this and it's sort of like a baby. Do you know anybody who names their baby a name and then a week later they say, "Nah, let's change it." (laughs) I've heard. No, you don't. You (laughs) don't do that. Or wait till the kid is six years old and say, "You know what? We think your name is too Butch. How about something a little more New Age?" (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's people just don't. Well, it's it's similar with the songs and some artists, like with Bowie, he would write an entire. Like some weird sin was a poem of mine he stole from under my mattress, <laughs> but he but he wrote he wrote the bridge himself you know. Mm-hmm. Same with Ami, Ami would give he would give or Bowie would give me a title. Here's the title, right on that subject. He would do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Ami would uh, interject into my lyrics all the time. With Laron he sent me he sent me like I don't know forty two things right? <laughs> during the relationship. Huh. And the the five he wrote, these were just really bloody, I thought they were interesting, entertaining lyrics, and I, and I I felt them. In some ways, I think I felt them more than he did. I thought I could bring something like a good bel canto singer, well, like Sinatra at his peak. You're singing, That's what I wanted to do.
1: If I may, Iggy, your singing here is wonderful, and I and I i'm it's it's almost shocking i I know that like you said like I said earlier, I know that you've suggested this is other artists speaking for you, but you really make these songs your own. It's very powerful and hypnotic and and i i I wonder within that, like as this amalgamated expression between you and Lauren primarily does free feel like some kind of closing argument for you, or do you feel, do you plan to write more songs? I can't, there there are themes about mortality and reflection, as I've sort of alluded to here, that I wonder about. Like, does this feel like a closing chapter, or do you feel like, you, does it inspired you to keep writing?
0: I wouldn't mind if it was a closing chapter. Um, I have recorded since then, but it, uh, I just heard one today that I recorded with some really fine international uh, jazz singers, Hmm. and uh but it's a cover it's a cover, and we all we trade it off we traded verses on it sounds bloody good, so there are people offering to write for me really good people now <laughs> since, since they heard that the door is open right. I've gotten inquiries from two really top people one in uh one in alt and one in uh, in high, what I would call high jazz, jazz that actually makes money, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they want to they want to do things. I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> a little bit,
1: yeah, you know. So just when I thought like I was that. out, they pull me back in, kind of thing. Is that what you mean?
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I just see what happens. You know, I'm not I'm not hung up about it one way or the other, Okay. Really.
1: I know, yeah. it, I know, I know. We have to wrap up here. I just want to ask you. What's, yeah,
0: there's a guy giving me the wrap-up sign. Yeah,
1: the, I just want to ask you one last thing. Basically, what's next? I alluded to the fact that you have a memoir coming out, which is exciting. Um, can you talk a little bit about that in the time we have left?
0: Yeah, it's actually it's a book of lyrics. It's for done for Penguin, and the editor of it, John Hamilton, uh, it was just obsessive almost about putting it together he included a whole lot of photo material for my whole life uh there were a lot of pictures i had never seen and he passed away before he could see it come out which is a shame hmm. and then they asked me at penguin to you know write an intro and then a uh, and write and uh, an intro to the book as, as a whole and then they had They organized it according to decades, and they asked me to do an intro to each decade of what I was up to, which was like a lot of fun for the 60s, fun for the 70s, and then like the 80s sucked, (laughs) 90s was boring. (laughs) And then in the 2000s, it was more like, you know, it gets more like... uh, you know, diary of <laughs> diary of a playboy rock star <laughs> or whatever. Right, I right. don't know. You yeah. know, it's funny. You know, but that's so. There's so, there's a lot of me in the book, but it's it's not a memoir. No, I, okay. I'll never be one of those.
1: I apologize. You know? I, I okay. thought it was I thought it was framed. No, aside. no, yeah.
0: that's okay. No problem. It's uh, called Till Wrong Feels Right. Okay, and that's a title title of one of the lyrics in there.
1: Okay, well, all right. Hey, it was
0: good talking to you. I really appreciate that you Liked the stuff and took the trouble.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that too. Iggy, can you pick one song for us to go out on from free that I can play for people?
0: Love's missing.
1: Thank you so much, Iggy. This was such a pleasure. Best of luck with everything going forward.
0: All right. Have a good one, bitch. You too, man.
1: Bye bye. Wow, I don't. Iggy Pop, Iggy Pop was on the show, everyone. I know you just heard that, but that's. It's a big deal. I mean, the, even closing in on 500 episodes, I mean, a lot of great people have been on the show, but I didn't. I mean, Iggy Pop, that's. Thank you. Thank you, Iggy. Thank you so much to Iggy Pop and everyone at Indoor Recess who made this possible. Uh, this is a PR firm here in Canada. Thank you so much, Ola. Iggy Pop was on the show unbelievable that was the 496th episode of creative control which is part of the e1 podcast network and is available on all ios and android platforms and also on youtube spotify and audio boom as well if you can't find an episode that you're looking for on any of those things or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter please visit my website vishkana.com i'm still a little rattled i don't normally emote about the guest even if i'm very excited i I'm a, uh, Iggy Pop who's on the uh, I'll, I'll let this go uh, you know he was on I don't know why I'm telling you anyway you can like Creative Control on Facebook you can follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative or follow me directly at Vish Khanna. you can listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph also please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Uh, It is a very modest Patreon. Uh, I'm hoping we can generate more stories about why people who do donate to the show, maybe I'd like to hear from you and maybe share your stories with others so maybe they'll consider. I mean, why is this show important? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just know what I do. Why do you like the show? It'd be nice to know. So get a hold of me. Consider donating. Go to patreon.com slash control for more information about all of those things. Thank you, as always, to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks to my old friend, Jim Guthrie, for letting me use the instrumental version of his song, The Rest is Yet to Come, to end this show each week. Having Iggy Pop on the show actually puts me in mind of when I used to road manage uh, Jim's band Royal City their leader Aaron Riches loved Iggy Pop loved the MC5 and would frequently do a cover of success by Iggy Pop and it I, I kind of connect those things in some way it's meaningful to me that Iggy Pop have I mentioned how meaningful it is that Iggy Pop was on the show uh, I'll stop anyway thank you to Jim go to jimguthrie.org to learn more about him thank you thank you for listening to this show And checking out the podcast and telling your friends to check it out and subscribing to it, it means a lot. And I will be back with more episodes, I'm sure, as we close in on episode 500. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Iggy Pop, for everything you've done. And I will talk to you soon. Bye for now.